0: I admire your luck, Mr... Bond, James Bond. This never happened to the other fellow. For your eyes only,
1: darling. The mother she was must have scared the living daylights out of her.
2: What of you... Tokyo? kill. Hello and welcome back to For Your Ears Only. This is Optimism Vaccine's premier James Bond podcast where we talk all things James Bond. I'm your host, Jake Trapila, joined as always by my co-host, Jack Eason. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Happy to keep trucking along on this thing as we, we wait, being patient. Exactly, yeah. We are waiting. We have since run out of James Bond films to cover, so uh, we're spending the next uh, several months looking at uh, films that uh, are kind of, uh, I would say, adjacent to Bond films, offshoots, homages, films of different ilks, different spy films, yeah. And uh, we have a great episode for you today, and with a great episode, we've got a great guest. Uh, He's returning to the show. You may remember him from Moonraker and The Living Daylights. And I believe he did uh, For Your Height Only. Please right. welcome back Steve Cuff. Hello, Steve, hello. Steve, how are
0: you doing? Dude, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, I, I like these Bond-adjacent things that you guys have been doing. And uh, I got to say, I feel like every episode I guest on that's for a Bond-adjacent movie, I, I think I like the movie better than most James Bond movies. So I don't know what that says about me as a person, but there you go.
2: <laughs> well, that's funny you mention that because I think that not only is this film we're covering the best of the the offshoots that we've done, but I would even say that this is better than a handful of James Bond films. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say, Jack? I, I would actually totally agree with that. We've had For Your height Only, is off the, it's a classic,
1: it's a lot of fun. Uh, exactly. Uh, our Man Flint good times, fun, but honestly I'm not sure if either of those would actually displace a Bond movie for me which has a very specific kind of cadence and and structure Uh, but this movie kicks ass it is really really great Uh, I don't know why I put off watching this for so long I
2: feel bad I've cheated me it's a yeah, it's a good one. It's it's been unavailable for a while. Uh, Shout Factory released a nice Blu-ray a year or so ago, but uh, of course uh, we're talking about Mario Bava's 1968 *Danger Diabolic starring John Philip Law as our title character. And uh, yeah, this is based off of a long-running Italian comic strip, which features the character Diabolic who is uh, kind of like a great anti-hero. He seems to be. Uh, Causing mayhem just really for his own fun and satisfaction. He's not really trying to make the world a better place so much as he just wants to make his life a better place. Wouldn't you say that's basically the end goal of diabolic?
0: Yeah, it seems like he's he's like the anti James Bond in a lot of ways. Um, he instead yeah. of like you know saving the world for God and country as Sean Connery would do, he's just fucking shit up for his own personal benefit. Um, but and then the other thing is is he's not a womanizer either which is really interesting he's this sexy dude yeah. but he's completely monogamous which is very anti James yeah. Bond uh, also does not drink as far as i can tell and so well, yeah he doesn't, he doesn't have time he doesn't have time he's too busy robbing people
1: yeah no it, it is it's crazy that yeah even when the when the government tried to stop him from just grand larceny he resorts to full on terrorism it's it's an incredible step up. oh
2: Yes, he does, and <laughs> God, we will get into that. So, yeah, let's uh, let's dive right in, as he literally does at one point. Um, we open with this elaborate scheme headed by the chief of police, uh, where ten million dollars needs to be transported from presumably one bank to another. Uh, we see that all of these guards are inserting ten thousand dollars, or ten, excuse me, ten million dollars worth of waste paper. That's made to look like money rolled up into bags and putting those into armored trucks, which are then escorted out with uh, heavily police uh, motorcycle motorcades and such. Uh, the idea is that they will then transport the real $10 million in a seemingly innocuous diplomat car where they can finally deposit it or send it to the shipyard or wherever the money is supposed to go. The, 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 the point of all this is, of course, to fool uh, diabolic Uh, Who immediately it knows that the the ruse is bullshit and chases the correct car. So uh, we get an exciting sequence where he heads them off at the dock. He gases everybody and using a giant crane with a net attached, he steals the Rolls Royce that has the ten million dollars in it and makes a clean getaway. Uh, Jack, what did you think of this pre-title sequence? This is yeah. I mean, it's
1: it feels it, it kind of almost feels like. A bond film from the start in that it kind of has everything established it it runs on kind of an assumption that we we can kind of pick it up immediately there's no real attempt to establish you know diabolic or who he is or the stakes of anything. We just understand that basically there's a lot of money at stake this guy's got to steal it, and he 's really good at it, and they're taking their precautions. Um, so yeah, it's just a really like it really just throws you right in here, and it, it's kind of a shame that uh, there's only one of these films. This was it was could have been a series, but it it just never it never happened, uh, and it's kind of a shame because I mean it opens like it it you feel immediately at home in it, and it's kind of like it's not really got the same tone as a Bond film, but it really operates in that same register of familiarity that I felt like I was at home instantly, having never seen this film before and it also immediately opens with um, I mean this is Mario Bava and this is probably the biggest film he ever directed I think it's got like a budget like 3 million dollars which for Bava is not a lot or or, sorry for Bava is a lot uh, compared to what it used to do but for anyone who's not familiar Mario Bava is like a Kind of, you know, a, a huge Italian director, mostly known for his genre work for for horror and stuff. But he did a bit of everything. He did horror, he did westerns, he did um, romantic comedies and stuff. And he obviously did diabolic. And he is started as a cinematographer, and he was a really hmm. kind of uh, made his name as a genius cinematographer. Um and a, an expert at like trick photography and special effects and so on. And um so he kind of carried that over to his direction work. And this film is just so vibrant from the very beginning. And uh, like you mentioned that he uh diabolic gases everyone. It's like this coloured gas, and then he kind of does it as a superimposition over everything, and it's this really weird, cloudy, hazy, psychedelic effect, and then the film leans even more into psychedelia later on. It's just this. Yeah, it's just it's such a vibrant beginning to a film. I was just immediately on board, and obviously it's just like, hey, this guy's just stealing money. Is he doing it for some reason? No, he's doing because he likes having a lot of money. <laughs> oh, fantastic fun. Yeah. It's just and again also like a comic movie, and um, this immediately sets these just really strong visual characterizations. It's worth mentioning the chief of police is played by uh, Misha Piccoli, who's you know a, mm-hmm. a tremendous of great repute uh, he he's kind of a strange foil here because he's generally quite a you know understated actor and and he doesn't really go wild at this one either diabolic comes in like this full almost like wax suit it doesn't look like like leather it looks like almost like a wax mask it's really <laughs> strange. And um, there's just just this real great visual energy from the get go um absolutely just sucks you right in. You're ready to go with diabolic wherever yeah. you might go.
0: I have a challenge yeah. for any any listeners out there who haven't seen this movie. first of all, track down a copy it's hundred percent worth your time like this is it's it, it's really an incredible film um but one thing I noticed is you can basically pick any point in this movie, okay just like scrub through it pick pick yo, know, oh I'm at the you know, the 47 minute mark and wait 30 seconds and see if you can not say this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. Like it it really, like visually, this movie is so just, I can't even put it into words. It's it's almost overwhelming with how uh, just vibrant it is, Uh, which isn't something I would normally associate with like, oh, it's a comic adaptation of a spy movie especially nowadays, right? Like, imagine a Marvel movie with this kind of color palette and and visual ingenuity. But seriously, moment to moment, scene to scene, it is just jaw-droppingly cool. It's It's just fucking cool. Like, the fact that Mario Bava, one, didn't get to make more of these films, two, probably never had a budget even close to this ever again, and three, wasn't invited to make a James Bond film, all these things make me extremely sad.
1: The this craziest thing, actually, is that Bava came in under budget on this one, and not just a little. He came in like $400,000 under crazy. budget on like a $3 million thing. It looks thing, expensive, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, and the thing yeah. about it is, it's just it comes down to that Bava was such a genius of trick photography. And if you look at the film, there's so many... Just really cool things. Like later on, there's a point where there's like a trap door and an airplane and you can see the earth spinning underneath and it doesn't look real, but it looks like there's like a globe effect spinning. Like it's clearly like a rotating background. So the earth, like it's like you can see land formations and sea and just spinning past. And it's very clearly they just like made a little, you know, image of that and just spun it around underneath the floor. But it looks absolutely cool. It's this is really tremendously engaging, visually appealing effect Probably cost like 20 bucks to make once you have the guys on set to do it. And that was just Bava through and through just pragmatic, clever ways of doing things. So this movie looks incredible. Like you say, I mean, this movie was made for literally a 100 times less money than a, a modern Marvel movie. And yet it's eye-popping and engaging and fun mm-hmm. at every turn.
2: Yeah, it's, it's fantastic all the way through. Um, and Baba is, is a filmmaker. I think we can all safely agree that we love over here at uh, Optimism Vaccine. He's, oh, yeah. you know, m- again, mostly horror. But yeah, the fact that this was not granted a franchise is just very, uh, very sad. Um, I would say for any listeners also, like, Two kind of close analogs to this would maybe be the uh, Adam West Batman series, except this is just played like this is more serious. A lot of people die, and it really leans into the uh, the terrorism of the Diaboli character. Um, but also, I would say just as a more contemporary um, link, you could say this. This I was reminded of uh, the Vachowski's Speed Racer while I was watching it. Just mm-hmm. something that just leans into oh, yeah. this visually lush style. And it's like everything, every scene you watch is like, oh, this is just, like Steve said, this is just the coolest shit ever. It really leans on that, and that's what makes it so great and so fun. Um, yeah, so we, we get Diabolic. He drops the $10 million, he throws the money into a boat. The police try to shoot at him. He's off, he's like on the top of this crane, on top of a car, and he dives into the water, and we do this.
1: I remain an awful day.
2: This, this, uh, this opening uh, track rocks. Uh, I love the, uh, the kaleidoscopic spinning effect of the title sequence. I love the, the female vocals, the score. Uh, we should say this was scored by Ennio Morricone, our, the greatest composer of all time. Of course it was. Yeah. Th- yeah. The, this is song, it just, it just gets, if the opening sequence didn't grab you, this definitely will. And you're like, I, after this, I felt like I'm on board for wherever this is going is such a such a majestic sequence. It's it's great. I love it. Steve, what do you think of the song? The great song.
0: <laughs> it is. It's like I mean the whole the whole soundtrack is really good and it's it's so there's there's moments that really pop out but also throughout the movie he's good at just kind of inserting just just little subtle music hits that enhance whatever you're seeing. It's perfect. It's like completely like synergized and aligned with what you're seeing on screen. And then the 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 song here the in the opening is, I don't know, it's just like this cool ass, like weird surf rock bizarro shit. And it, it really sets the tone for the whole movie, which is this is kind of weird. It's it's visually almost overwhelming. It's like a complete audio visual just blast in your face. Uh, but also at the end of the day, it's just cool. It's just fucking cool.
1: <laughs> you know? It almost it almost feels like um on the musical score that Morricone, like maybe one of the closest analogs to James Bond, like to a Bond film is that Morricone kind of has this, um, I think it's a guitar led, uh, kind of like recurring motif, like theme that kind of kicks up a lot throughout the movie, which is similar in feel to the Bond theme, which is also mm-hmm. played kind of like on, on a bass and a guitar and, you know, kind of that, that kind of rock tempo to it. Um, yeah, that that's almost like feels like maybe the most conscious nod to Bond outside of the fact that then it's all, you know, it's spy and hijinks. But as we mentioned at uh, this time, we're not following for queen and country guy. We're following, I will steal it. And if you won't let me, uh, something even worse will happen. But yeah. he's also not like, it's just the politics are very strange in that it's basically he's just stealing stuff for his sexy girlfriend. <laughs> um, and so they can live in a palatial underground manner um and like a super cool underground base i guess they have that from bond as well but that's all he just wants to steal stuff he doesn't want to run the world he doesn't want to do anything he just wants nice things for his sexy lady friend so they can roll around at in this incredible ginormous circular rotating bed mm-hmm. you know which is really i think all of 60s dumb was really like reaching towards that everyone was you know going to work every day in the hope that they could someday afford a similar bed
0: yeah in a cave no less
2: in a cave absolutely <laughs> yeah, well- <laughs> I mean, let's get right into that. So after the credits, uh, he evades a helicopter. He's got like this great sports car. I think it's like a Citroen or something. Uh, He goes through a tunnel where his uh, partner, Ava, is there waiting for him. She's got this nice white Jaguar. They send his car out, so it drives off of a cliff, and the helicopter thinks, oh, he's dead. Uh, But meanwhile, they drive back. They go to this elaborate subterranean cave where... Like, the features are are decked out with this, like, giant, like, postmodern geometric orbs that have, like, there's this, like, shower room and there's, like, the rotating bed where they dump, like, all the $10 million on it and they, like, fuck in it. And, like, it's just, it's, like, this very ornate sequence of we watching them descend below, like, like I remember the, like, the Adam West Batman, he, like, kind of drives off the side of the road and goes into the cave underground, but this is, like, even, like, goes deeper than that, there's just, like, so much great stuff constructed in here, and, like, if you, if you didn't know better, you would think that you were watching a Bond film, because it just does so well at emulating that style and that look.
1: Yeah, there's a real journey underground, and again, Bava, just, everything looks phenomenal. And it's all, like, a lot of it's rear projection and miniatures and stuff, but it all just gels. it's just this incredible cohesiveness to it, and it just creates these huge cavernous spaces full of lights. I mean, everything is lit in those kind of theatrical lights that Bava always appealed to, you know, like reds and greens and purples. Um, It's just, oh god, you just luxuriate in the thing. Mm hmm.
0: Also, I think it's fun that yeah. this is Mario Bava's version of like doing a movie for the kids. So <laughs> there's like a, a, just a bunch of violence and fucking and all kinds of stuff in this movie. Uh, but he doesn't show a single butt or titty. He just finds very creative ways like, oh, these two people are having sex, but I will obscure their genitals with hundred dollar bills or they're having or they're both taking a shower. But I'm going to, you know, just put this weird psychedelic shape and color over his dong and her boobs so you don't see them. Uh and, and then of course all the violence, but
1: <laughs> it's like a more coherent yeah, some of the costuming of the, the decor it's almost like a more coherent version of Jean Roland's uh, like the nude vampire, but with with the concept of obscuring nudity rather mm-hmm. than exacerbating it, which was Roland's main main <laughs> issue. But yeah, you get the, like the scene in the bed is a great example of what makes this film so fun, because they're rolling around nude in money, but they're not nude, and you can tell uh, that Marissa mel who plays Eva Khan, who is uh, uh diabolics girlfriend, effectively wife, maybe. maybe who knows? They probably don't need marriage. They don't need <laughs> anything. They live in a in an underground cave full of cool stuff. Um, but she is moving out, and you can see they. She is obviously wearing a like bikini or something constructed of looks, Oops, like still. a flesh bikini. <laughs> yeah. So it moves in certain ways that like belie the special effect, but you never feel like you know you're being taken out of it. Rather, it really like Sucks you in. There's just this creativity to it that even when you even when you see the seams, they're so fun that you know it's not like a betrayal or like oh I, you know I don't believe the effect anymore. It's like some dude was in charge of sticking together bills to create this ridiculous sequence. It's yeah, just tremendously fun. It's it's also worth mentioning. Uh, looking at this, apparently Marissa Mell was the uh, replacement because originally Catherine Deneuve was going to be. The woman and she was actually on set. There was actually they shot some sequences with Catherine Deneuve and then that fell through and I'm, I'm not 100% sure why um, apparently I don't know if it's that she didn't get on with Bava or that Bava just felt that she wasn't like she wasn't right for the part which I, you know maybe Deneuve is a very specific quantity and although she's obviously gorgeous and sexy I'm not sure she's the same gorgeous and sexy that Marissa Mell is for a film like this uh, so you know I, I, I'm I not sure exactly what happened there it was kind of a strange what if but um, it kind of goes along with the fact that this film has just a really pretty stacked cast in the top on the top top billing at least you know it's got some pretty big names in there um this was not a small production um so yeah and and it's just it's just really fun to just kind of watch everyone just move around in this space um i couldn't help but wonder maybe a little bit you know what what would Catherine Deneuve look like in this movie but you know Whatever she she would go on to do other things. Uh, I was just thinking as well. Actually, Steve, you were talking about you know Bava's attempt at like a kids movie. It's it is funny because like three years from now he would make Bay of Blood, which is like to me like invented the slasher movie and was like <laughs> met with absolute derision and outrage because being in a way kind of maybe one of the earliest proto slasher films. Like literally, it is just. A parade of violence. It's just a bunch of people show up and are all horrifically murdered, which is what slasher movies are. But it was before <laughs> people were used to that being a structure for a movie, and you know. So yeah, this this was him like being very. This is very family friendly, happy, fun Bava compared to some of the stuff he would do later on, just to get his rocks
2: off, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, to be honest, I'm kind of glad that uh, they went with Marissa Mell. I think she's great. Like I love Anu. Don't get me wrong, but I think uh, Mell is just. She brings a little something here that I think kind of helps, and like her her chemistry with Law is uh, is fantastic.
0: It really is because I mean the idea of a character like this being completely monogamous and also mm-hmm. she's just the the type of character she is too. Like, I-, I feel like she would have been overwritten if this was a contemporary film so that she was like his sidekick or something like that. But really, they're just two people who are completely in love with each other and she helps him out. But yeah, yeah. she's just like, no, I-, I I respect the hustle. But then she also like yeah. has this kind of maternal element to her, too, where she tries to take care of him. She's like, oh, you've been working too hard. I gave you a sleeping pill. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, how that's thoughtful. That's from-
2: <laughs> That's great. That's so dumb. Yeah,
1: too busy out breaking the system. It it is true that yeah, um, it almost her her capabilities are almost under discussed. They're kind of like kept at the forefront. Like Diabolic does all the big, mad, crazy action stuff, but she always shows up places like she clearly. Uh, in a way, almost emulates kind of where the Bond franchise would get in, like the nineties, mm-hmm. <laughs> around you know, like thirty nearly years later, the Bond franchise almost got a point with like Michelle Yeoh and people like that that they were like, okay, she kicks ass and she's capable, you know, and um, you know, Mersa um, Mel's character in this has that same kind of essence to it that she's she is subordinate, I guess, to diabolic as like the main. Mastermind of stuff, but she does an enormous amount of stuff just very capably and shows up here and there in health. She's very clearly you know his assistant and his his counterpart in producing you know whatever escapades they're doing. she's not at all just like the the dumb you know, kind of sexy lady that's just there. She she is also eye candy, absolutely. I don't think we're gonna, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be reasonable to deny that. <laughs> but um, she, there, and I think you're right, like Jake, she, there is this kind of quality. She has this is very cool, collected quality to her. She's not ditzy or kind of, you know, uh, thrown to the side. She has a strange kind of a gravitas in the film, uh, both from the performance and also from the elements the film brings in that's actually... Pretty cool. Um, it's it's a pretty interesting kind of a dynamic within the film. On top of the the fact that it's pretty much him and her, like a, a not quite a more foo, but this is sort of like they're just they're they're in it
2: against the world. So you're against the world. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, back to the the police. Um, they decide that uh, in order to fight, they decide they're going to fight fire with fire by basically teaming up with a gangster. Played by Adolfo Celli, who you may know, uh, not only is he in Thunderball as Largo, but he's also in uh, OK Connery. He was—I don't even remember his name in that—but he's the villain there. <laughs> nothing um, matters in that movie. <laughs> nothing matters. No, it's <laughs> almost like it didn't happen. But yeah, so he plays Valmont. He's a gangster. He usually has his operations up in a plane where he likes to uh, dispose of people through a trap door. But uh, basically, they're going to work together to ensnare Diabolic. And there's this plan involving this uh, necklace that has, like, seven uh, or eleven emeralds hanging from it. Uh, and that's what A, uh, Ava wants. And B, Diabolic is going to steal it for her. And they're going to essentially use that as a trap to ensnare Diabolic. But luckily, once he breaks into the ca- castle, like, through this elaborate, like, he gots- he has, like, a... <laughs> it's like he has different colored skin tight suits for like whenever the situation calls for it. Like usually in a black one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if he needs to scale a white chimney wall, he's got a white suit on. It's great.
0: Yeah. It's important. You know, he can't, he can't wear the white one after labor day. So he's got to have some versatility yeah. in his wardrobe.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just going to say there's a cool sequence where they identify Ava through this, uh, identikit machine, which is also in one of the bond films. And there's a, cool little art montage of, like, all these different facial features. It kind of looks like a face is dancing before it settles on what uh, Marissa Mel like, a likeness of what she looks like. And that's what they use to identify her, and it trap Diabolic because she gets kidnapped. Diabolic has to save her as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's, and I think there's a couple of like good references to that. I think I saw Twiggy in there among like it's it like flashes a bunch of different women, and clearly at a certain point, a few of them are like famous women, like cartoon caricatures thereof. Um, but yeah, it's really funny because the, the the whole movie, and I, I guess it cuts to the deeper element of this film or the like thematic element of this film. So this film came out in 1968, which was. Uh, a very politically tumultuous time in Europe and America and Africa, thanks to Europe and America. <laughs> um, so, it, um, you know, in 69 saw... Or 68 saw, like, widespread riots and activism and so on. Um, and this film has that sensibility to it. Despite being a very kind of, like, popcorn fun film, it has a, a kind of a barb to it. And it's kind of interesting to look at this, because this, this movie is... Um, Like you mentioned, Jake, the next setup is essentially they have this emerald emerald necklace and they want to... uh, Everything the police do is because they want to catch Diabolic. And they're willing to team up with another gangster, a terrible guy. You know, uh, Valmont is known as, like, he's just a real cruel, terrible son of a bitch. And they're willing to team up with him to help catch Diabolic. And the whole film is really just the police dangling things out in the open to try and lure Diabolic so they can stop him. And Diabolic obviously always uh, gets, you know, he always wins. But there's there's a strange kind of a bitterness, I think, in this film about the kind of, like, the role of governments. Um like, all of the government officials, and really even um, the inspector, the police officer who's chasing him, they're all kind of subjects of ridicule. They're stuffed suits. They're, I mean, the Minister of Finance played by Terry Thomas, uh, who is always, to I me, mean, I think he's a fantastic comic actor. But you, you don't cast... Terry Thomas if you want the person in the movie to be respected <laughs> that's not that's not what that casting decision is for and um, everything political in the film or government driven in the film is seems to be very kind of decadent and kind of like stupid you know they're, they're all of it is basically to tease diabolic so they can stop him and there's almost this feeling of like well, you know you root for diabolic because they're so the government action seems so pointless and frivolous and they're not you know they're not in the aid of people at uh, the citizens Um, to Frank I mean I grant the citizens don't really enter into this but there's a, there's a real kind of a folk hero element to this even if diabolic doesn't kick the the goods back down to the people he kind of like he messes up the government who are not very honourable or or useful in themselves so yeah there's kind of this um, interesting kind of venom I think throughout the film uh, to political institutions which we'll get to later they really they really go hard on them later on but really from like the outset it's kind of like rich people at a party wearing a fancy emerald necklace and like the whole decadent party and everything is really just happening to try and lure out this one guy so they can stop him and it's kind of like, is what's the point of this? Like, I guess begging the question. Um, you know, did the government cre- like, in a sense, did they create the crime, or did the crime? You know, like, are they acting against the crime, or did they create it? You know, like, if you want to get like and start thinking about this movie, like, there, there certainly, I think, is this sense that the the government, the government's actions are kind of stupid and pointless and self defeating, and sure enough, they are
2: defeated all the time. Well, we skipped over um, – so the, as also as an element of fighting the crime, uh, Terry Thomas holds a press conference where he says that uh, they're going to reinstate the death penalty in the hopes to discourage Diabolic and that if he was caught, he would be executed for his crimes. But uh, Diabolic and Ava are at the press conference. And uh, they both take each take an anti-exhilaration gas pill so <laughs> that they can then spread exhilaration gas over the people attending the press conference and just turn it into a laugh riot. And he ba- basically he just gets laughed right off the stage. And that's right. Yes, the I, entire I, I press conference. Love just the deep like the de- the like the detail that's like typed onto the pills or like the pill bottle. It says anti-exhilaration gas pills. They pop in right after showing this. That's
1: straight out of like the the Adam West Batman tradition. Like that's straight up shark repellent.
2: Yeah, Uh, yeah, (laughs) everything's like labeled. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, so. God, that's great stuff. Um, Yeah, so Ava's kidnapped uh, and they tell Diabolic to get her back. Basically, he needs to return the 10 million he stole and the necklace that he also stole. Uh, He's boards Valmont's plane and he gives Valmont the money, but uh, when he's forced to hand over the necklace, he grabs Valmont, and they dive out of the uh, the little sky drop together, and as they're falling, Valmont's plane blows up, presumably with all the money that they left on the plane, That's and it. Diabolik's like, I mean, they open it and check that there's money in there, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, no, yeah.
1: Diabolic, yeah. Like, I guess it's just confirmed, like, Diabolic, he'll steal the money, but it's not about the money. It's about the you know? thrill, baby. Now, granted, it's got to be a little bit, because that underground base isn't cheap. But, you know, he's willing, he'll <laughs> just blow up 10 million, it doesn't matter to him, yeah. he'll just steal
2: another 10 million. Mm-hmm. Imagine, if you will, a guy who thinks crime is funny, like a joker. <laughs> 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 Terrifying. Ugh. Yeah, anyways, uh, they land safely, Diabolic beats up Valmont, drops him off, um, and he goes to rescue Ava, but uh, he gets into a shootout, he kills Valmont, and uh, in order to feign capture, Diabolic takes a, uh, like a, uh, like I wrote it down, he takes some kind of pill that makes it look like he killed himself, and his body goes into like a suspended animation. That's right. It's a thing Tibetan monks definitely yeah. do for That's real. Classic yes. monk <laughs> pill that was move. What it was. Classic, classic monk pill. I'm I'm not sure why, upon being discovered, the cops maybe didn't try just putting one more bullet into his head, just to be sure, because, you know, they were in a shootout. Mm-hmm. That's what I would have done, at least. But, uh... No, he's, uh... They go to take him in to get an autopsy, but uh, he recovers and with, like, three minutes to spare, because he had, like, 12 hours before the drug would, like, become permanent, and he would actually die. But, uh, no, he and Ava escape. Uh, he has the, like, the d- emeralds he Broke from the necklace themselves, and then uh, I think at this point, like the like the the government basically just wages war against Diabolic, and he responds by just committing grand acts of terrorism by blowing <laughs> up like like tax buildings. It's the end. It's the
1: conclusion of Fight Club, but just like thrown in in the middle of the movie. Yeah, he blows up. Uh, all of the tax offices and eradicates every citizen's tax history. Mm-hmm. So he basically cuts off the government's revenue. No one, li- like it's mentioned. The, uh, Terry Thomas goes on TV again to request that all good citizens show up to pay what they think they owe in taxes, <laughs> which doesn't yeah. doesn't take a great stretch of the imagination. No. no, that's not happening. He just work. eradicated the entire tax. Uh, system by and like there's there's footage and again it's these great little miniatures but like he just bombs fucking like eight buildings <laughs> who knows how much carnage diabolic has wrought but they pissed him off so that's yeah, what happens. what you
0: get it is funny too because like you mentioned this would be the the climax of any other movie but here it's just like no this is just another thing he's doing uh, uh, and uh, with diabolic he uh, it, one of the the other fun things about this movie you know it's got this this crazy like look and this amazing soundtrack but also the pacing it the movie it almost like bounces up and down it's not just like a, a rising action climax falling action it's it's a series of I, I wouldn't call them vignettes but it feels almost episodic in its structure because you have you know it's it's not like diabolic is building to to one thing it's just a series of of little like heists. And 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 different climaxes yeah. throughout the film. It's
1: it's like um, comic pages almost that you mm-hmm. know you like you turn it over and it's just like a big composition on a page that just like hits you and then you know but it's not like a climax specifically. It's just yeah. like a really bold thing. Yeah, it, I think the film has that sensibility to it. It's just like just big things happen and they like they hit you and wash over you and then it keeps going. You know, it's
2: it's just it's that's all part of the movie. It's mm-hmm. just keeps rolling along. Yeah, and again, I'm just sad that we were robbed of a dozen more Diabolic Adventures, because I could I would love a box set of this series. Oh my I god. Just the, it would have been endless pleasure. How I did
0: think we not get it? they are
2: making a
1: new one.
0: Oh, they're making a new one? Well, I shit. I
2: think they
1: are, but I mean, Mario Bava's not gonna be doing it. Uh, so, maybe but, I mean,
0: Mario Bava never died and he took a Tibetan monk pill. Have we considered <laughs> that as a possibility? <laughs> well, they should
1: get oh, Lombardo. Yeah. His, his, his
2: son should be in on this. Oh, god. assistant director on this. This is the the other side of the wind, but it's the lost diabolic sequel. Oh, my it's God. It's just being reconstructed <laughs> from footage saved around the world. I would pay to see it.
0: I would pay big money for that.
2: But, yeah, he starts blowing up tax buildings. It's funny because, like, the the police literally challenge him. There's, like, a great cut where, like, I think they're on the phone with him at one point, and they're like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do about it, Diabolic? And they slam the phone down, and as soon as he does that, it, just, uh, it cuts to an exterior of a tax building, and the whole thing explodes. It's a great miniature effect and a great comic edit, but it's like, yeah, and then just a series of more buildings follow. And yeah, like you said, the police, like, like the, every, the government is in debt because no citizens are paying taxes. <laughs> And so the solution is they're going to – bring the government is going to bring in this shipment of 20 tons of gold. They're going to melt the gold down so that they can uh, then sell it to get money so that they can sort of reimburse their lost revenue – uh, of course, Diabolic's not going to let that happen.
1: Yeah, they're, and they specifically bring in a 20-ton gold ingot because that's unstealable as far, and they seal it in a steel case, but, like, the whole idea of it is to bring it in, it's like, there's no way Diabolic could steal 20 tons of gold in one go, which is, you think at this point they would stop issuing challenges to the man. But, like, it is it is really tremendous. Again, just the idea that we can have a montage of government buildings being exploded it's the hero who did it and we're still on his side I mean it really speaks to a disen you know a kind of a disenchantment <laughs> into into political uh, views here I mean um, this movie would not have flown in post 9-11 America for example <laughs> that, that wouldn't have gone down oh, well God, yeah. uh, but the late 60s Europe apparently people really thought the government were shitty um, and they were probably right so and, and we get these movies as a result
2: yeah, uh, uh, it's just great, and so yeah, we get the elaborate, the um, elaborate stealing of the uh, the gold truck, which involves submerging the truck into water. And Diabolic has like these undersea balloons that he uses to lift it, and like and they do a whole like
1: train it's... crash. right? I mean, like we have oh, another right. train amazing sequence. Like, I mean, we're with stealing a train, and he fakes a tunnel explosion to. that they think they've escaped his main trap which is exploding the he like crashes a truck on one side and then blows out the tunnel on the other side but they 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 run the train backwards out of the tunnel so it explodes after they've already left and they're like well we escaped his trap but we need to reroute but of course rerouting is is all part of his plan and there's like this whole sequence with a bridge explosion and the train going off and like all of this is just unfolding in a movie that came in massively under budget but Bava got it all together um worth mentioning again it's uh, Carlo Rambaldi uh, had a very well I think he's uncredited I think this is one of his very early film credits and he would go on to do uh, E.T. And King Kong, the 70s version, and Possession, the, the monster in that. I mean, he's a special effects wizard. Oh, wow. Um, you, know, huge, you know, huge stuff. But Carlo Rimbotti, uh worked on this in an early capacity as well. And it, again, it's almost like The Thing, like the, you know, John Carpenter's movie in that. It's just one of these films that seems to just, uh, there's just an incredible... Depth of talent in there that clearly was just working, you know, working along, taking over. And um, so this movie just gives you just an incredible bang for your buck. And again, it's like everything looks fake. I mean, it's not like you're going to be like, oh, that they must have really crashed a train. It doesn't look like a real train crashing, but it looks like a really cool effect of a small train crashing, which to me is better. You know, where um, you know, is is certainly an appreciable quality as well um yeah it's there's just so much in it and like steve says it just bounces along it's like it just goes from blowing up financial buildings to a giant gold ingot and you're like what the hell they're gonna do with this and then there's a truck crash and there's a tunnel explosion and there's a train crash and it's just like holy shit this thing is just just throwing stuff at you it's just amazing
0: yeah it it really is and this is the kind of thing where uh, on a lot of other films i think this would annoy me this kind of pacing but the way Baba does it, it's just so masterfully done and it's genuinely surprising. You really don't know where this movie yes, is heading. Yeah. But because it's it's so charming and visually arresting, it's just like you're you're just along for the ride. You're just just happy to be there, you know? Who who the fuck cares where you end up? You're just happy to be yeah, there. Yeah, I think
1: I think that's that's amazing. It is yeah. it is actually exciting. Which means you're right. I think in a lot of other films that have just too much stuff going on, it gets tiresome and you become desensitized to it. But every element of this is so creatively realized that uh, it, yeah, it's continually fun. Like you want to go with them, so you don't mind the fact that there's this just. Uh, almost chaotic sense of just like, uh, of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's so much happening in this movie. There's just throwaway stuff in this that would be like the
2: main event in another movie. Yeah, and, and, and vice versa. Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just so much fun. And, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, he gets the ingot back to their subterranean lair, uh, and the police are moving in on him as he starts trying to melt it. Uh, and then this causes, uh, a, like a, the police corner Diabolic, and that's just as, like, the giant ingot, like, erupts. Like, he's trying to melt it to get out of its container. And, like, all of this gold liquid splashes onto Diabolic. And he's, like, seemingly, like, frozen in place in, like, a golden statue. And, like, because he's he's wearing this suit that he says, like, he would be able to swim through the sun in it. It's, like, so heat resistant. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so Diabolic's, like, frozen, and the police presume that he's dead and uh, Ava, like, pays her final respects, but we see that, oh, he's not dead after all, and he lets out, like, his great maniacal laugh. Um, again, it like, We could have yeah, had another one. We could have had another one, but, yeah, that's... I'm, like, I'm so glad we did this for uh, this series, because it's, again, it's great, it's great to, A, just kind of see, like, what's supposedly a Bond-villains side of things, except, you know, villains have a lot of fun, and Diabolic is no exception, and and Bava it just brings such a great amount of style to this, and it's really just such a, a visual treat to watch. And and like Steve said, everything is just—it's just so cool and wonderful how it's all kind of stitched together. Uh, I love this film so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think the casting too. I mean, we haven't really talked too much uh, about John Philip
1: Law as Diabolic, but he's this really—he like. There's a lot of face acting that has to be brought to him. And uh, and almost like a, he doesn't really... He, in a lot of the film, he's in diabolic costume, which is like this, uh, like I say, almost like it looks like a wax ski mask kind of thing. So it's just his eyes and his eyebrows. Um, but he just has this intensity to him. And it just really... Um, it's something that's just very difficult that he is very visually arresting and interesting, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have, there's not a lot he can do. He's more, you know, very physical presence on screen.
0: He's huge too. He's like literally six foot five, uh, but he's got this this lean build to him. And like you said, he's got really expressive eyebrows and great facial expressions. And the, the amount of physicality he puts in this performance cannot be overstated. Like I cannot imagine anyone else Doing this role, it it just doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, it would be so
1: easy for someone to disappear into this, or to kind of get overridden by the special effects and stuff. But it really, it really works very, very well. And and it's also, I think, it is fun. I mean, he has that maniacal laugh, and he is he is a thief, and he is a terrorist by by any any Mussolini definition <laughs> um you know he, he he there's no real read on him it's like the government are awful maybe you're incompetent or something but like he's not doing anything to enrich the lives of the people like he blows up 10 million dollars to to get himself access to another criminal to get his his girlfriend back but like he's not he's not bettering the lives of anyone else there's no robin hood element at all to this not even a hint of such a thing you know he's, he's completely
2: out for himself so there's well, mm-hmm. I, I would just argue real quick it's it's kind of beneficial for the people if they know they don't have to pay taxes that but, is well, <laughs> that. sure any that. guy blows up a building and i don't have to pay taxes is okay by me there's <laughs> that element certainly as he
1: moves into outright terrorism but it's kind of like this element of um, you know like like he's doing that to screw over the government is not there's no like grand plan for him to like he's he's not reinvesting in the community or anything you know and and there's no even an attempt and like you would imagine in a hollywood film there'd be at least some effort to make him more amenable to public tastes by having him you know like pass off some money like leave a suitcase of money at an orphanage or some bullshit you know just like some kind of a scene to be like he's a good guy really you know no nothing like that he's he's unreadable like insane like he just steals for the love of stealing and if you get in his way he will collapse the entire economy that's you know <laughs> it's crazy and i wish i could he flex on eat... people
0: like that you
2: know just
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's me. and just because he wants to fuck his girlfriend that's pretty much it
2: yeah you know that like if they made this movie now whether or not they are going forward with the remake or whatever they're doing like, he is he is going to be a beneficiary to the people. And, like, there's going to be a scene where, like, the, the Inspector Jinko equivalent is going to be, like, at a children's hospital where they've just received an anonymous sum. And, like, all the dying kids are, like, drawing pictures of, like, Diabolic in his suit, like, kicking the oh God, police yeah. in the butt or something. To do the brace, Yeah, brace yourself for that because heroes are now cool. But, yeah, as far as, like, just a complete... Anarchist Ghost like this is as good as it gets. This is this is just <laughs> such a total blast and like everything just comes together like the 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 lensing, the, the Morricone's score which like just kind of reinvents that opening theme through different like moods and tones. It's it's just such a it's such a just a stunning achievement and I like, I'll say it again. I'm so sad we were deprived of more diabolic adventures. That we're, that were of this caliber well jake i do yeah, have some good news free.
0: i i can't i can't yes. say that they're that this is going to be of this caliber because i can guarantee you it won't be um but the oh, the boy. diabolic reboot sequel whatever it is adaptation is it is definitely coming out it was completed last year and was supposed to be a christmas release in italy uh, but because of the COVID 19 pandemic it has been postponed to the 16th of December in 2021. So we are like six months away, less than six months away. And it's directed by, I don't remember because I closed the tab, like the Pramanthi brothers or the Manicotti brothers. It's like it's that's, the that's, brothers. That's food, brothers. Um, but two Italian brother direct Manetti brothers. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So uh, I, um, I'm, I'm not familiar with their work. Uh, I know they're not Mario Bava as far as I can tell, but uh, it's, it's happening. We're going to get something.
1: It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think it's it's worth mentioning. I, I do believe in looking over this that, to be fair, um, this movie didn't do so well at the box office because audiences are trash and they don't know when they're given something great. Um, I don't know. The marketing for this, this was actually produced as a sister production to Barbarella, which, was, which has, I think, garnered much more of a they're both cult films, but Barbarella, I think, has cultivated more of an impact, I guess, mm-hmm. long-term. I feel like more people have at least heard of Barbarella. Um, but this film didn't do uh, huge business at the the box office, which I guess helps that it came in under budget, so probably, hopefully, still made its money. But I think it was actually Bava... I think Bava was offered the possibility of a sequel and maybe turned it down, which I guess might come for the point that when you're working with someone like Bava, he has... He has his own expectations and his own things. And I mean, for anyone who tracks his career, and if you haven't seen any other Mario Bava movies, watch this and then watch everything else you can of his, particularly from like the 60s and 70s and mm-hmm. his horror stuff. He like, it's, it's just a treasure trove of, of incredible stuff. Everything from, um, oh, what's the one with Barber Steel? Literally just go back to black sunday black and sunday just go forward yeah. Yeah. that's it yeah black sunday is like really like to me the the beginning of like just classic like incredible gothic horror film um but, you know, I, I guess Bava was restless. Like I mentioned earlier, like three years from now, he would make a Bay of Blood. And I, to my mind, I think honestly, invent the slasher movie. I know other people might credit to other films like Black Christmas and stuff, but like Bay of Blood is earlier and really has so much the DNA in a sl- of a slasher movie. I really think Bay of Blood is really the first real slasher movie. Uh, it's mm-hmm. missing a few elements, but it's got, it's, if nothing else, it's got the sheer grim nihilism of a slasher movie. And Bava made that with his own money. Uh, he just pretty much just decided he would just do that himself um, and risked that you know so it gives the sensibility that he was at this point um, unwilling to be tied down this is a Dino De Laurentiis production and I mean De Laurentiis made some fantastic movies he's produced all kinds of great stuff and a couple of stinkers too <laughs> which comes with the, well, it comes with the territory but I guess right. you know may, I I don't know specifically if Baba was unhappy or if they clashed heads or not but I'm, I just have a feeling that maybe Baba was Happy enough to just keep his own control and kind of like he never really made a lot of very big movies, but the movies he made are a hundred percent his. Uh, they would they're movies that would not even register uh, in the in the story of cinema if Bava wasn't involved in them. Like they're 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 you know just throwaway horror movies that anyone else could have made and they would have been boring and nothing. But Bava made them and they're like classics and they're incredible and people are still marveling at them today. Uh, he was just that kind of guy. So I don't know if you know. Diabolic was like, he, he had his fun and he's done. He's like his own little Diabolic. You know? <laughs> Screw the people. I've had my fun. I'm gone. Do something else.
2: Well, we'll always be thankful to have Mario Bava and the great works he produced. Um, and yeah, I think that about does it for Danger Diabolic. Uh, I think it's safe to say we would all highly recommend this film. 100%. Uh, mm, 110%. Yeah, st- 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 110 percent there you go steve where can the good people find you should you wish to be found
0: uh you can find me uh on twitter.com at steve cuff or you can find me on letterbox and it's just it's just steve cuff uh so yeah uh you you could tweet at me i'll let you
2: beautiful i'm the same way i'm at jake tropila at all things uh jack with your ever-growing twitter presence where can the people find you uh, yeah, Twitter's the best place. I'm at Real Jack Eason, so R E A
1: L J A C K E A S O N. I am also on Letterboxd, but I don't really remember what my handle is, and I only recently learned I have followers there. Uh, I don't really use Letterbox. <laughs> uh, I throw, I put ratings in there, but on like the whole social element, which is apparently what Letterbox is really about. Uh, the only reason I'm on Letterbox is because IMDB cut me out once. I couldn't, mm. it wouldn't log me in. It was like, your password's wrong. And I was yeah. like, I don't think it is. So Letterboxd. So yeah, Twitter, uh, shoot me a line. Uh, tell me what you think. Uh, say hello. Um, I'm on there entirely too often.
0: I was going to say, I also don't use the social functions of Letterboxd. But if you're into, <laughs> you're like, I like... This Steve guy, I, I would like to hear his one sentence, uh, you know, review summaries of things that he has watched. Well, there, there's a place to find it right there.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm also on Letterboxd, but usually if I see a film, I kind of tweet my one sentence review and then I just put that into the Letterboxd review. Yeah. So if you're following me on one or the other, you're covered. That's and, ground uh,
1: deficiency
2: there. But uh, I do want to kind of double down on suggesting that you follow Jack because uh, not only does he uh, post uh, a lot of funny stuff, but he also is very helpful in posting links uh, not to just physical media sales, but also links to download some great films uh, that uh, may not otherwise be accessible. I know you've recently had a Johnny Toe uh, link like for a long while. That's coming down soon because we've got some plans. Maybe down by the time this episode is out, but uh, follow him if you haven't already. And we have a uh, new series coming soon at Optimism Vaccine that we are very excited to cover. Uh, So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, in the meanwhile, uh, I've been Jake Tropila. And for Jack Eason and Steve Cuff, this has been For Your Ears Only. We will return.